0: This is T.D.P.S.
1: Eric! Yes, Christopher? Are you sick of doing promos for my new books yet? That depends. Are we at the beach? Yes, we're at Sapphire Cove, the fictional Southern California resort featured in my new gay romance series coming in 2022. This is alarming. When did we go outside? You were transported by the powerful prose of C. Travis Rice. That's my new pen name devoted to steamy and emotional tales of romance between men.
0: Yeah, no, that's not it. I was about to eat a sandwich in the studio and now I'm being harassed by seagulls.
1: Brandon, get rid of the seagulls, please. Oh, that's much better. Now I have to pee. First, pre-order your copy of Sapphire Sunset, the first installment in the Sapphire Cove series, which goes on sale March 1st, 2022, from Blue Box Press when a new member of the resort security department falls hard for the nephew of the wealthy family that owns the place, sparks fly, and sexy scandal ensues at Sapphire Cove. Uh, Yeah, could you pre-order that for me? I'm going to run to the little podcaster's room.
0: Brandon, come get this seagull.
1: I can't help it if my writing Uh, sets the scene.
0: I know what I'm going to set if someone doesn't come get this seagull. Where'd you get that sandwich?
1: Sapphire Sunset, the first book in the Sapphire Cove series from C. Travis Rice. Now available for pre-order. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Have you been to my website lately? Why would I go to your website? You're sitting right here. Well, it's the place to find out all about my new books. (laughs) ChristopherRiceBooks.com. This ad did not go as planned. This was an ad. I'm Christopher Rice and I'm Eric Shaw. And you're listening to TDPS presents Christopher and Eric who finally shut up so we could start the show. <laughs> like, I guess we could just start recording since you and Brandon are talking. I don't know. I don't know I, don't uh, know. Know I just
0: kept saying one more thing and one more thing and one, more, one more thing. thing. One you more could
1: thing. see Christopher and it was like, well, this is starting to be fun. It's uh it's sometimes I just think we should hit the button and go with This
0: is I really think that we should just cut 45 minutes out of what we're just usually talking about and put it yeah. on. I agree. As I always say, the podcast is really always happening. Yes. We just record 45 minutes of it periodically. But like Christopher calls and we do.
1: One or two podcasts most evenings. (laughs) We should be monetizing our evening phone calls. Right. What are we thinking? We should get sponsorship for our fiery tirades about uh, whatever happened on the news or in in entertainment that week or whatever. Yeah. So, this is something that occurred to me because it was about me. So, everybody drink because that's what they do on the podcast when I make it about me. But I. I, (laughs) Yeah. That's not what they're not waiting for. I'm, they, on to, I'm on
0: to the party people. We don't go to the party people for nothing. <laughs> they will drink when you make it about you, but they'll also drink when you don't. <laughs>
1: They're already drinking. It's uh, just they were convenient. drinking when they push the start button. Right, exactly. TDPS, the podcast you can't handle sober. It's um, like, it's always five o'clock somewhere. Right. Okay, so my story, and this will sort of get us into today's <laughs> topic. Uh so I just finished recording the audiobook for Sapphire Spring which is coming out uh, or is out. <sighs> It came out this week. Are you okay, Eric Shaw-Quinn? I'm
0: having a little coughing fit. I'm looking for a cough drop. Go ahead
1: and tell me. Okay, I'm, I'm going to th- do my thing while you do your thing, and uh, I'll we'll try see. not to seem insensitive to your plight <laughs> while I sit here talking about my book while you're hacking while up Well, I'm line. having a coughing fit.
0: I just got a tickle, and I just yeah. need a cough drop, you and it's going get yourself some of that cannabis happening.
1: there, that little, those cannabis mints we you love. Little. These are my That's a lie. Freeze. That's a lie. Okay, so here's the deal. Here's the yes. deal. Let's focus. So uh, I just finished recording the, um, the audio book for Sapphire Spring. And, uh, you know, I read it all myself, with the exception we have a guest star on this one. We have Nazanin Noor reading the voice of Nasser's mother. Who Christopher was as thrilled as if Meryl Streep so was going to be in the studio with them. I was them. so excited. She's so talented. Um, she does how, did
0: you fall, how did you fall in love with her? Was-
1: I, her? She did a YouTube video called Driving with Your Persian Mom. And when I started researching Persian culture, which I will tell you is, I went far beyond YouTube. That is not where I stopped because that is not the best place to research other cultures. Probably not. Yeah, but I think that's going to be a little bit shallow. But I found two amazing uh, Persian actresses and creators there: Tara Grammy and Nazanin Noor, and they were both incredibly helpful on the book. But she does this video, and it was back. People were doing all those videos. Remember, like shit, my trainer says. Shit, my dad says. Shit, my whatever. A television series. Out yeah. of Shit, my dad says. Boy, it was that bad. That was a Twitter thing. I never could understand. It was just this outrageous barking things his dad said on Twitter. Was, which
0: was funny, and people loved it. That and was great. So they great. thought they were going to make it a television series. It was like, how does that work? Is he going to say only the things that he
1: says on Twitter? Or well, so he can say, he said other stuff, and that went straight down the toilet? It did not work. William Shatner was in it, who has incidentally blocked me on Twitter, and I still don't really know why. I have and a theory. I lo- and I love him. So I <laughs> we're
0: forgiving him. We think it was because he thought you were... I'm um, throwing shade at George Takai who you absolutely weren't because we love him too
1: but I was throwing shade at George Takai. George oh, Takai has a reputation for stealing other people's tweets without attribution and posting them as his own. Oh. Sorry, it's the truth and I called him out on it and oh, I think I got blocked. Yeah. That's not. That's yeah. not cool. Yeah. Has he stopped doing it? I'm not aware because I don't follow him anymore and I don't let him follow me because well, I, I didn't want him stealing my tweets. Well, I get um updates from him and it's usually just him reposting stuff so well maybe he's gotten better about it i mean it was it was a whole conversation that happened around what authorship on twitter means like because i don't know if i see something for the first time on twitter i don't know if that person is the author of it if i'm not familiar with their following right but it was rather than quote, tweeting it or retweeting it, it would just be cut and pasted and it would be his tweet. Well, maybe he just is old and didn't know how to do it. The story that I heard was hired people to manage his account for him and they did it and so maybe those people are gone or whatever. But this is back when I got way more whipped up in Twitter bullshit than I do now. You know me. I'm very zen about Twitter. Oh, totally oh, zen about let social it all media. Go. Let it all
0: go. Yeah, like he's just wised up to, maybe I'm not the person to tell.
1: <laughs> I just... I bite back my opinions now. Anyway. Because
0: what I always
1: say is, if it happened on social media, that means it didn't, didn't happen. happen. But what did happen on social media was that I discovered Nazanin Noor, and she's amazingly funny and talented. And um, she came into the studio. But the story I want to tell about the audiobook was, I, I, I was- Do you count YouTube as social media? Yes, I do. Oh. Um, I'm going to tell the story now, because I'm almost done. The- I was saying to somebody, the director or whatever, um, I really want these, you know, these main characters are really gay. And so I want I really want to do a voice for them that may set you it may startle you a little bit, but it's really going to be they're proud, effeminate gay men. And they were like, oh, so they, yeah, do, just like your voice. And I was like, no, no, these are really <laughs> these are really they're like out there and, whatever, you know, and they're like, just read it like yourself because you're kind of like that. I was like, no, I'm not, bitch. I'm very yeah. masculine. Watermelon. <laughs> Watermelon. I turned into Jordan Ampersand. So that's my story, and I think that's a nice segue to the topic of bullying, which is what we're going to
0: talk about today. Well, we're going to talk about the fact that your um, your book is being released. Yes. And one of the interesting aspects of—this one is called— Sapphire Spring. Sapphire Spring. Now, does that refer to the season or is it to uh, water bubbling up out of the ground? The season. And being bottled at the source. <laughs> no. It's the season. <laughs> it's the season. I thought so,
1: but I wasn't sure. And it's about um, Nasir? Nasir. Nasir. I had to learn how to pronounce it correctly. The Persian pronunciation puts the emphasis on the first syllable, Nasir.
0: Yes, Naser. absolutely. Um In later life, running across Mm -hmm. his high school bully. His hot high school
1: bully who's still hot, which drives him crazy. That really is annoying when they're beautiful and they hate you. It just really... And they don't age. Like, that's the thing. You want them to, like, look busted when they're later in life. If they were shitty to you early on. Anyway, this is not the book I told. I remember some character, Bette Midler, played describing that guy
0: mm-hmm. as i bet you don't have to even do anything with your hair when you wake up in the morning it just <laughs> looks like that but yeah that's the one that would really piss me off yes.
1: that's the, that's him right totally. so and then yes they're reunited <clears throat> and well the, the the bully is in a place in his life where his life is a mess as a grown up he's got a terrible drinking problem he's got to clean up his act and when he is reunited with Nasser, who he treated so horribly, even while nursing a secret attraction towards him during all those years. Well, I think that's often the case, right? I know, I do The too. closet
0: case. I mean, the only people who really care about Gay boys having sex with each other are gay boys, so yeah. if you're spending a lot of time devoted to that and you don't think you're gay, you might want to try it.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Because <laughs> it seems like you're paying an awful lot of attention to something you say you don't care about. I just think they're almost always closet cases.
1: I agree, and he's he is a closeted bisexual is what he is. He's truly bisexual, but he had deep, deep, deep feelings for Nasser in high school and let his buddies torment him and sort of played along when didn't do anything to stop the tormenting sure. and now feels an incredible amount of guilt about it. So when it comes time to clean up his act, he really focuses on Nasser, obviously, because it's an opportunity to be near him again and says, what can I do? Right. What can I do to make this right? right? And that was the question that we put to the party people. What if you were bullied in high school? Um, Well, I'll read the question. If this is something you endured, what would your bully need to say or do today to make up for the way they treated you during those years? We eagerly await your answers, and we did get a lot of answers.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people experience bullying in school. It's really – it's such a strange aspect of school to me that it is such a
1: lord of the flies environment that we're subjecting children to. How would you define it? Not to eliminate it, bullying. How would you define it? I mean, there's the, there's our, I had experience with it, you had experience with it. but if you had to come up with an almost clinical definition of bullying, how would you define it? Making somebody feel bad about who they are?
0: about who they are. yeah, yeah, like your what color you are, what sexuality you are, how tall you are, how fat you are, right what how your, what your complexion looks like, whatever. like making somebody feel bad about themselves is bullying.
1: right. Yeah.
0: Whatever the, whatever form that takes. Yeah. Like, because the person is trying to make themselves feel good about who they are. Mm -hmm. So to do that, they think that it
1: will be, they'll feel better about themselves if they make other people feel bad about who they are. And it, it seems to come with a certain relentlessness, frequency, and intensity, right? I think it's part of how we often define it, too. It's, it's, it's merciless, like particularly in the younger years. It's just you, you grind and grind and well, grind on someone. It way. always seemed to me that it was like, are you trying to get me to change? Do you want me to
0: be somebody, you know? Do you want me to act more like you want me to act as opposed to mm-hmm. being who it is that you're torturing? I just like—that's with me— Never going to happen. happen. I think some people do relent and conform, but if you step outside of conformity, like a lot of, I've experienced plenty of bullying in the gay community where I have not conformed to what other gay people think that I ought to do or or behave as or whatever. Well, my example was always the howdy doody hair because it's so (laughs) funny and why not? But it's like everybody does not need to have the same haircut. Right. Right. Everybody does not need to have the same body type. Everybody does not Mm -hmm. need to like, and so just being excluded or overlooked or generally dismissed for not looking or acting like the other, I there's because being gay has been such a, a a marginalized community, such a, 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 you know, the nicest way to put it, I think conformity has become a huge thing. Like, singing celebrity who now owns a lot of clubs in West Hollywood Mm
1: -hmm. said
0: when he first came out and started dating that he was interested in straight acting gays. Gays. Yeah. Which was so offensive. So offensive. To so many people. Like, what? So you want them to act like they're not gay or Mm -hmm. like. Do you want them to do, to only have sex with women? Mm-hmm. Like, what is it? What is, what would that even mean? Mm-hmm. You know, because the only thing that really is straight acting is actually having sex with the opposite sex. Right. So, if that's the qualification for someone, why would they want to date you? Like, Mm -hmm. I just, it was so ill informed. And he was just coming out, but like, he'd also spent a lot of time capitalizing on people's misunderstanding of who he was. And I guess he's done okay at getting better about it. But those kinds of notions are about a kind of conformity, you know, where I want you to be gay, but I don't want anybody to know it. Like, I think I would have had more friends and maybe even more relationships if I had been more willing to be a
1: closet case as I was coming up, and I just never was. I think uh, that's absolutely been my experience as well of being an adult gay person. I saw it in the reaction to, what is his name? The new, the long-haired, very uh, flamboyant, queer eye for the straight guy, Beer, Jonathan Van Ness, oh, I think. Oh, God, the one who does um, Gay of Thrones. Uh, I don't actually think it's the same person. I think they just look exactly alike. Oh, my God. I thought it was the same person. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, come to the Facebook page and tell me. But yeah, the I know reaction you're about. to him, it's very coded. Like, I mean, he's, he's just- too extra people say and i'm like oh fuck you queen like like this is too much for me and all that sort of stuff like i i hear the same thread underneath yeah, all of that yeah that
0: that's about that's bullying and yeah. it's con- and it's about wanting conformity it's about yeah. wanting you to act like everybody else does so that i can feel like i've made the right choice
1: my my sense of it in high school because it was always about my sexuality and my floppy hair and the fact that i had a kind of a feminine walk and i did theater and i never played Kinda. sports and i was like Shaking my little ass all over the place. It was like, is this because you want me to admit this? Because I wasn't out. Like, are you, do you believe you're being deceived by me? And so you're coming at me on this topic again and again and again. And it's like, what do you want? And I think the theory that I posited in this book is what they wanted was they wanted that ass.
0: (laughs) I think, I think that a lot of the case, that's what they want. Please stop making me be attracted to you. Right, yeah. Please stop acting in a way that is making me feel this attraction for you. I need for you to act like this so that I can feel good about the choice that I've made because why else would you want somebody to conform to a norm that's
1: not theirs? Like I just,
0: I find that to be...
1: We're at a place right now in this country and I think we've been there for a while but I'm I'm watching, (gasps) this is what I'm saying. How can I put this? The American right particularly around issues of gender identity and sexuality, equates their own personal discomfort with another person's choice with the actual destruction of something, right? Something is being destroyed because you are making me uncomfortable. And it's like, no, you're just uncomfortable with this. Nothing is actually being destroyed. You know what I mean? Well, they want it to go back to being the way that it was. Right. We spent
0: a long time, as Lady Gaga put it so well, you know, making sure that we didn't offend the bigots. I and mean, right. we stopped trying. Right. You know, like, no. When, people, when you stop people-pleasing, people weren't pleased. you yeah. know what I mean? Like, and that's fine. You have to be prepared for that if you're going to stop being a people-pleaser. But if we're going to be who we are— if we're going to be truly out and proud then we have to be prepared for the other side to be uncomfortable and flip out about it for a while you know and that's kind of what's happening i'm i'm not saying it's okay i think it's but i think it's incredibly obvious <laughs>
1: So I, uh, it's an important point that you always make, and I'm glad you always make it, which is that a lot of bullying of minorities as adults happens within their own community. Absolutely. Yep. That's where the conformity is the
0: most right. essential to people who are incredibly insecure about themselves. Because that's ultimately what a bully is, is somebody unbelievably insecure about their own sexuality, intel- intelligence. Mm-hmm. Personality, if somebody is a bully, that's why they are bullying other people, is because they feel bad about themselves.
1: I want you to be more like me so I can feel like I made the right choice. Right. So we went to our party people to say, if, if you, we didn't ask them if they had been reunited with their bullies, but if you met your bully, <laughs> what would they need to say or do, if anything, to make their past behavior better? And Amy Wallace, it turns out, actually did meet up with her bully years later. She says, my high school bully did indeed meet up years later. Just thought I'd say that again. And apologize for how he and his friends behaved towards me. He had an adorable kid with him. It was sweet. He said he felt badly for years about that and was glad to have a chance to make amends. He was not the head bully at all, but if that guy, had, but if that guy excuse me, had come into my workplace with his kiddo and apologized the same way, I would have forgiven him. We all had bullies to deal with, I think, and it is healthy to see them years later. I got to say that life got better <laughs> for me after those difficult years and him too. I grew as a person and have endured to be, a, to be stronger as a person. Well, that's the best case scenario. That really is. That's
0: uh, that. Yeah, that's sort of lovely. One of the experiences I've had going forward is people, not even necessarily my bullies, but people who were a part of the culture that was very vigorously rejecting me mm-hmm. along the way in school and whatever, reconnecting through social media in no sort of particular way, and then just being supportive. Mm-hmm. Like, nothing is really sad, and there's no apology even in many cases to be made, but, like, very supportive in a way that was never the case Mm -hmm. in the past because I think a lot of people have just sort of grown up. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I always I tell that story about going to my 10-year high school reunion and being subjected to the same right. stupid bullshit that was going on in high school. And I was like, well, I have never been back, mm-hmm. you know, because they hadn't grown past it yet. I right. mean, maybe now that they're, you know, they're as old as me, obviously. So maybe
1: they've matured enough that they've grown past it and are, like, reflective about, huh. Were you still living there when you went to that reunion and were they still living there? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that was part of it? They had never left or, you know, like, do you think if you encountered, did you have any bullies that like went off to New York or Chicago that you're aware of? I don't know that I can say that I kept track in that way. I'm
0: sure. I would expect probably most of them, given that I went to high school in South Carolina, went to Atlanta, you know, like or some local hub, Charlotte, maybe to um, to better opportunities and jobs than typically are available there, yeah. although there are some, there are plenty. There, it is not the most; it's not the center of um, ad, of any economic hub that no. I'm aware of. Right.
1: Um, so maybe. Okay. I just wonder if that disrupts the through line. If if somebody leaves and has a complete change of environment and ostensibly a change of culture as well, do they look at their own past behavior, their own past bullying, in a harsher light? You know, a more revelatory. Light?
0: I think the two things that I that have that are the biggest change factors are um, we have, we are now in a place until relatively recently people felt free to say pretty much whatever they wanted to say about gay people Absolutely. in politics, but in public life in general. And in the last little, little less than 10 years, you know, with mm-hmm. the passage of with the overturning of DOMA and the, there has been a shift and I have been curious to see, how people react to some of their own horrible things that they've said. And it's a lot of people who are actually on my side. Mm-hmm. You know, President Obama and Hillary Clinton both said things about gay people that mm-hmm. really offended the fuck out of me. Yeah. And a lot of people that I like said stuff because they felt free to just say whatever they wanted to about it mm-hmm. without really being very sensitive. And then there were plenty of people who were just hideous about it, capitalizing on it. There still are, in fact. Right. But yeah, totally. they're appealing to other small minded bigots. Right. Most people are actually trying to move past it. So it would be interesting to see. I think that is starting to shape people's response. It was like after people who voted for Proposition Hate in California saw how we reacted, saw how hurt we were, that many of them said, I would never do it again. I did not realize it. Mm -hmm. I did not pause to think. The other thing is I think because more and more gay people are living out in the world. Right that people know somebody or find they are related to somebody somebody they like or love or care about is actually gay and they're like oh my god i wouldn't want this to happen to my nephew my brother my sister my child Mm -hmm. my dear friend my old teacher whatever Mm -hmm. and so they it gives them a new sense of 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 sensitivity right because they're to actually
1: realize that they know somebody who is a gay person. Everybody does. They just don't know it. Absolutely. So getting back to our Party People responses, Cher Giambra had the opposite experience from Amy Wallace. She met up with two of her bullies at different times. The first one apologized, and I really wasn't interested, she said. (laughs) And the second one tried, and I walked away. I could care less about them. I don't see either on a regular basis. They made my high school experience hell. Yeah, Sorry, Sure. Yeah, it share. is
0: really, that, yeah. I get that. Like, I'm not sure, you can't
1: fix what you did. And that's, but that's the thing, and, oh, those are your glasses. Yeah. I thought there was, like, a car outside. There was a witch scratching on our window. There's a witch at the window. Oh, no, not Brandon, again. I'm <laughs> sick of window witches. Brandon, I told you to spray for witches. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Where's that witch spray? So no, this was what I was thinking. Like, there's an amends witch away. There, there's right. There's an amends, and then there's um. There's you really. Well, I, I lost really, you. I lost, lost you witch you away. Witches. Where'd that witch
0: go? Witch away. Hey,
1: <laughs> <laughs> it burns. All right. We're, we're, I'm we're, melting. Uh, melting. <laughs> okay. Back okay. to bullying. Okay. Meanwhile. Um, the the topic of the book, the thing the book tries to tackle is what does an amends really look like? It's not a sentiment. It's not an, a verbal unloading, no. which is what the character tries to do. Because that's
0: just about making and, yourself
1: feel better. Fuck right. you. And, and it's what Mason tries to do in the book. That's and not, what that's what um, Cher's friends were trying to do. Cher? Right. And yeah. Nasser says to him, I'm not accepting this. Like, fuck off. He's like, I, this, is, this is about you making yourself feel better. Right. You've done nothing to fix what actually happened. So Mason spends the rest of the book fixing what actually happened. But- and I think that's important. Like, no, I don't. I don't think anybody who responded to this is like, well, except for Amy. She was made kind of better by it, or she felt better after it. But it's like, what are you actually doing to be a different person yeah. today? Cindy Conforti, author of The Cindy Conforti Rule, is fortunate <laughs> never to have an experience of bullying in high school. On the other hand, maybe I was just so wrapped up in the adventure of being a teenager in the early 60s that I didn't notice it. Of course, we had cliques, but there was never cruelty involved. We all believed our group was the best. All capitals. Teenagers can be terribly self-centered. survival so Among, o- among other know, people. Yeah. <laughs> so, totally excuse me yeah I would say people can be very self-centered people
0: are mostly interested in their own shit and like sensitivity is really a challenge like I think of the the governor of Mississippi the white middle-aged governor of Mississippi saying oh yeah I went to you know, college at Ole Miss, and everybody had a great time. The oh, black, yeah, no. all the black people seemed perfectly happy they to me. I was totally like, happy. yeah, I'm sure yeah. Th- things were great for black people in the '60s. Absolutely. Why? What's all this fun? Fa- everybody had a ball. They
1: never said a crossword to me. Right? Things yeah. were terrific. So mm-hmm. yeah,
0: I think people tend to, yeah. So I don't. I wouldn't just put that on teenagers. I think people in general can be a little. Like, our own experience is our own experience. I
1: can't be somebody else. Gina Rowden says, I was an awkward teen, but school was a safe haven for me. I was picked on a little, but the trauma at home far outweighed anything going on at school. Sorry, Gina. Dear. Bullies are broken, whether in the schoolyard or at your dinner table. Very true. Very, very true. In order to believe that you're better than somebody else, you have to believe somebody else is better than you. That starts somewhere. Braden J. Quinn says, I don't give much thought to my old bullies. Good for you. However, if one of them should cross my path again and want to be friends, I would just need to see that they are a different person. Exactly. This is what we were just saying. Yeah. I'm a forgiving person, and we are all different people than we were in high school. While their actions in school made my daily life difficult, I know most of the time they did it for the approval of other people. Absolutely. I was an easy target. I was timid and small and wasn't part of anything popular. I know who I am now and don't care who doesn't like me. If someone from my past has truly grown, I'm strong enough to give them a chance. And I think that's a good sort of healthy attitude to take on your own behalf because
0: carrying the burden of somebody else, the, you know, some horrible person around with you for the rest of your life is that's a, I, I, you know, and I don't, I think Cher's solution is as valid as as Brayden's. Brayden? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, like letting it go, like Got to go, babe. Having a real life. But I get the idea of seeing somebody changed. I offered that opportunity to a family member who had been a bit of a bully. I said, OK. Yeah. You want to make this right? Go march with P flag, or go do something. Go work for, for gay rights in the world. And he wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, OK. Well, then that's really all I need to know.
1: Mm-hmm. Tommy and Elquist Gunther said, Great question. I am 67 years old, so this should be very much behind me. Notice I said should. (laughs) This last year, I was contacted by a bully from my past via email. Oh, wow. I find myself pretty much letting things go by the wayside anymore, so I tried to have a nice conversation with her. Guess what? At 67 years old, she was still a nasty bully, making comments about what she does not like about me. We live on opposite sides of the country, so it is not like we see each other ever. My God! So to answer your question, I feel all she could do was to not contact me ever. Indeed, yeah. I am not sure what she needed from me in response to her behavior, but I can tell you, I need nothing from her. Wow! And that's that's the thing. Like I, I there was a bully, and this was not high school. We didn't attend the same high school. It was what's before high school, elementary school, whatever. The junior. I don't think I had junior Middle high. Middle school. Middle school. Right. Um, I think, I believed based on the nature of his bullying that he was going to grow up to be an incredibly dangerous, abusive person. This was not somebody who was just trying, this was a hostile, angry, um, like I went into the bathroom once and we had, it was a small school, so we didn't have these big bathrooms and he was in there and I didn't want to be alone in the bathroom with him, but he was in the stall. And so I left and he came out and he followed me and demanded to know why i had left the bathroom like are you fucking kidding me like like that but it was like like angry and like beady eyes and entitled why did you leave the bathroom cuz i was in there you know he was he was a mean person and from what i heard he grew up to be a mean son of a bitch so it yeah. was you know Sometimes we're seeing the early warning signs of someone who's really dangerous during those years, and probably somebody who is being created into that yes. by some really
0: abusive circumstance in their own life. I mean, there may actually be mental illness involved. but I think most cases, it's from abused abused people, abuse people. yeah, right. you know,
1: um, Justine Adamek had a different not a different take, but she took the conversation in an interesting direction. She started talking about teachers which are obviously a big presence during those years of our lives. Yes. The most important part of my memory is how kind some of the teachers were. Two girls were standing nearby me and talking loudly, insulting me as if I weren't there. Instead of stepping in and talking to them, which would have made it worse for me later, my German teacher engaged me in a conversation until they left. She distracted me from them and let them know that what they were doing wasn't effective. On another occasion, a friend of mine reported an incident to a teacher who had the reputation of being the meanest one in the school, a reputation he encouraged. He approached me later in the day and showed me nothing but kindness, asked if I wanted to talk about it. Would I like him to do something? He invited me to return if it continued. It was a one-time thing that would have loomed large in my junior high psyche as someone being mean to me. Instead, it stands out as someone being good to me. That's lovely. Yeah, that really is. Did you have... Teachers that you went to for like safe haven? I suppose so. I mean, that was
0: always part of it. Like, I had a pretty strong um, support system through my own efforts. Mm-hmm. Um, I was never, like, I had the strange experience of being often the victim of bullying because I was a very unusual, unique kind of person, but also being very popular in school. Mm. Like, I had a great time in high school, and Mm -hmm. I was a pretty popular kid, but I was pretty strange. And I never did the the in-the-closet thing, but I also never, you know, put, put it out there that I was gay. I just kind of didn't confirm the question, well... That's not entirely true.
1: I'm Christopher Rice, and I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com/slash/The Dinner Party Show, no spaces, and we'll do our best. To answer it on the show just watch out for our aggrieved manservant Shay Butters he moderates the page and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us Most of what he says about you is true though we can discuss this later That's right at facebook.com/ the dinner party show no I meant in the car hi I'm Eric Shaw Quinn and I'd
0: like to take a moment to congratulate my co-host and producing partner Christopher Rice he's got not one but four new books coming out in 2022.
1: want to pick up that point you just made before just, the break. Well, the um so you were never in the closet but you never like I I didn't do the closet thing. I just
0: really like but it was the 70s in South Carolina and Louisiana and like so I wasn't like there was no pride parade to march in, but right. I wouldn't have marched anyway because you know, I didn't. You wanted to
1: live. I yes, wanted I to understand. go on it living was a different all the time. way through high school, yes. and was
0: kind of counting on that things getting better afterwards. It wasn't immediate, and there's still some pretty fucked up stuff, but right. um, it's not that anymore. But um, I do remember this one time in in high school, some bully guy, bullying guy, saying to me, "Are you what are you some kind of punk?" And I said, "Yes." And he was so completely startled right. by that notion. Like, I didn't take offense at the words that people were calling me because they were correct. Mm-hmm. I didn't. They were the words I would choose to prefer to myself as. But I was who I was. And so it didn't, it didn't have the same kind of crushing impact right, right. on me. Um, yeah. Those kinds of things. And there was no social media. Um, at that point. And if there was, I again think I would have been succeeding on it. So I, I don't think that was the issue. The physical threats and violence was a different story. Mm. That was a much bigger part of my bullying experience. In high
1: school or before in, or high, high school? school and Ooh, before, wow. In
0: high school and before. Like, yeah. yeah that was, uh, that that part was more mm-hmm. daunting Yeah. for me. And I, I don't know what you do about that. And if you can't, you know, if you're not big enough to... Uh, beat people up. I remember growing out my fingernails, oh, so wow. I could claw people. Um, I never went to the bathroom. I didn't go to the bathroom in school. Wow, never. I just never went. I waited until I was somewhere else, or it was after school at rehearsal, and everybody was gone, or I was home. I just Jesus. didn't go. Like it was there was, like I didn't put myself in situations where I was phys- physically vulnerable to um, other kids. I was attacked at a lot of different levels and a lot of um, environments. Um, and so I became, you know, um, situationally aware, wow. I think is the, is the, you know, around that. So that was, you know, kind of an underlying part, but it was like um, being, some, being a successful person who lives in a dangerous city.
1: Wow. Okay. It
0: had that kind of quality to me because people paid money to come see me on stage and mm-hmm. enjoyed my sense of humor and you know w- couldn't wait for me to do the report in class and yeah. like there was a part of it of me that was still very appealing to mm-hmm. um, other high school students but there was a yeah there was just I had kind of violent reaction to me being so different and not really
1: apologetic about it. Eric Creech says this on the topic: I wouldn't make up with them. I would accept an apology graciously, but I have no desire to have a relationship with them. I am a very different person now, and they probably are as well, but either way, I'm good without them. That gets at something you also talk about, is that you can accept an apology and not invite somebody to dinner. Things do
0: not have to go, yeah, yeah, like, okay, thank you, I appreciate – my favorite thing to say, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Because it can mean something to have somebody sincerely actually say something. I'm with the, the other thought, like, no, no, I'm with Nasser. Nasser, yeah. Nasser. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm with him. Like, no, no. Like, mm-hmm. let's see it.
1: Yeah, let's see Like, it.
0: show me that you've changed. Show me that you feel mm-hmm. bad about this. By doing something other than yeah. what you did, I, I don't think that would – whatever. But, yeah, I'm not pining away to meet, see, hear from, run across, or have a friendship with any of those stupid people.
1: I had an run experience along. where uh, I did a book event at the L.A. Times Festival of Books back when it was at UCLA. And I was on a panel, and a a young man came who had been a classmate of mine. And uh, he had been a verbal bully. I mean, he had always been like, oh, you're giving out blowjobs, Rice? It was like that kind of, but it was like constant. Mm -hmm. Um, And it had made me uncomfortable, in addition, because he was incredibly attractive, very like model attractive. And um, he came to the event. And I was talking at some point during the panel about density of souls and being bullied in high school. And during the signing, he came up to say hi and whatever. And I was gracious to him. But he's like, well, I I didn't bully you, you know. And I went, actually. (laughs) You did. And he was there and he kept coming at it. He wanted to be let off the hook. That's the thing. There's a difference between wanting to be let off the hook and wanting to make it right. Yeah. And I wouldn't let him off the hook. I just was like. "Mm -mm." I think that woman
0: who was contacted by her, her uh, bully was being. I can't remember who it was now. I think that
1: was Tommy Ann. uh, Yeah, yeah,
0: was getting in touch with, like, it's like, no, like, it wasn't a, we all had a great time. Everything was just, it was the thing I was talking about, like, no, that was not happening. I was
1: not having a great time.
0: I was a gay kid in high school in the 70s. Like, no, it was not a great time.
1: Yeah. Catherine Blair also found the intervention of teachers to be beneficial. She was bullied in high school, too. She says, I went to a Catholic high school, and it lasted for my freshman and sophomore years, and what stopped it was Sister Teresa Martin. I don't remember her title, but she was a pretty formidable lady. She talked to the head bully, who said, they had no idea it was bothering me. Liar, she writes in parentheses. Uh Will I ever see that bunch again? Probably not. Would they reach out to me? No. I don't associate with any of my high school classmates, and I've skipped the past few reunions. Smart. Smart. Yeah, I do not recommend reunions. Like, if you haven't seen those people in all these years, there's a good reason for yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so we kind of touched on what you went through in high school and the contradiction of it, which I always find not intriguing intriguing is not the right word fascinating well
0: it's very much what um Nasser was experiencing yeah. like it it was he was attracted and that was part of what was causing the response but it it doesn't mean that it was all that that all of the response to somebody was negative we we see those pictures in the media and i'm sure it's true of a lot of children people who were i was very outgoing i was the theater the president of the theater club like from birth mm-hmm. um I was always on stage. I was always in activities. I was always really visible and comfortable with that. And right. I wasn't deeply invested in what other people thought. I just mm, that's that is the big difference between has you and me. Never yeah. never really been a thing for me. I don't really fully understand.
1: Mm -hmm. I don't
0: understand people being cold, and I don't understand people's concern. You
1: mean literally cold. Physically cold. Not emotionally cold. No, no. Yes, yeah. Yeah,
0: physically cold, and um, people's concern for what other people think. I just, I don't get it. And it's not a family thing. Mother, You know, I dealt with my own family's concerns about what other people think my mom Mm -hmm. would be... Worried about, oh, my God, everybody's going to think the living room is a mess. And I would be like, make
1: a joke out of it. You know, like,
0: fucking the living room is a mess. Like, maybe you should clean it it up. If
1: if that's the case, why is your house always spotless? And why does it always smell like a day spa, an expensive day spa? Your apartment smells great. Because... I live there. I know. I was just setting you off to say that. Yes, I know because Yeah. Yes, because why wouldn't I want to live I in a live place? I live in a like, day spa.
0: Right. So somebody's taking really good care of me, and it's me. Because <laughs> that's my number one job. And that's what bullying did to you. I so like it's to,
1: ultimately a positive journey. I like to
0: take care of other people too, but like it starts with me. I can't, you can't help other people put on their oxygen mask on the plane if right. you didn't put on your oxygen mask first.
1: I have to say I was very different than you in high school. I was completely obsessed and preoccupied with what other people thought and I was very vain. I'm still pretty vain. And I, I could hear, I could be told a secondhand story of some story somebody had told about me that was disparaging or not true and I would just become fixated on it. So I was an easy mark and you didn't need to beat me up, you could, you could, you could get to me with words and uh, um, I wish I had been a little bit tougher. Like I regret that I was not a little bit more there's always this thing, and I don't know if you feel this way like I loved to in a certain way, I love time travel stories um that there can be very disturbing because it's very weird like like. There was a movie called Flight of the Navigator, right? Not the best time travel movie. Yeah. Where he goes back to his house and it, it, his parents aren't there anymore because right. he's gone into the future right. or whatever. The past is the same way, going back into the past where you don't have your old you, – you don't have your usual course. Right. Recourses. There's no history. Right. Um, but the idea of being able to go back and relive your high school experience knowing what you know now as a queer man – knowing what you know about some yeah, of the attention yeah i have always thought i could have had a lot more sex <laughs> in high school
0: <laughs> right if i knew what i know now like i, mean, I would have yeah. been i could have like said oh yeah i actually am you want right. want one yeah totally yeah like yeah. whatever if i wanted to like i i didn't realize that that was a choice and some of that was about the habit of not being open about who we were yeah like at some level Hitting on somebody else sexually is about an inquiry. Like, yeah. are you interested? No, I'm not. Okay. Right. But it, you, it can certainly come off as bullying. And if there is a threat to you already pre existing in the admission that you are actually gay, right. it becomes worse. But it could just be a solicitation. Yeah. Yeah. Ham-handed and badly done, but yeah. dipping somebody's pigtails in the inkwell is also ham-handed and badly yeah. done. But it is a show of interest.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: People who are, as I said, right at the top of the show, people who are thinking, spending a lot of time thinking about men having sex with men, are gay.
1: Yeah.
0: Even if they don't realize it or are acting like bullies and monsters about it, and mm-hmm. it's because that's what they're thinking about. Like yeah. people who are not inter- who are not gay, are not. I am not straight. And I am not thinking about straight people having sex with each other. I just – it does not cross my mind. Right. Totally. I don't have any problem with it. I think some of my best friends are straight. But (laughs) – but it just really is not a thing for me. It yeah. does not come up in my head. I just never think about it. I am on that end of the Kenzie scale. It's just yeah.
1: completely not in my... The seesaw falls to the ground on that end. Absolutely. When you're, you're a, on it. With
0: a hard bang. I yeah. am just not there. And that's... You know, I just think that's telling if you're thinking about gay sex, it's because you're gay yeah. or at least interested or in or you're bisexual or, sex. or pansexual, well, yeah, just, just, all of those things which, you have a desire, which that yeah. possibility is opening up for kids now. And mm-hmm. god, I hope that gets to be
1: well, it gets good. You know, it seems fair. I'm sorry, my voice is getting... this is how it always felt back then was like girls were experimenting all the time. Like, a girl would go to college and just be like, I'm gonna eat pussy for a semester and see what happens, and the lesbian. Were like nice to meet you. My name's Pam. Can I interest you in a Michelob? Like, and they would go off. But if guys were gonna do that, it was like fraud and dangerous. And like, don't fucking talk about this to anybody. But that's and how you... guys like to yeah. do everything. <laughs> just like... yeah, But it no. was like women were enjoying all the ACDC fun, as they used to call it back in the day. It was,
0: it was that thing. It was yeah. the, you know, it was the, it was a much bigger, it was a mm-hmm. much bigger deal. Mm-hmm. Like, and. For me, it was because of the threat of violence. Absolutely. Like, murder. And, you know, like, Brandon Tina was a woman, you know, like, so it was not, women were not exempt from the violence, but it was not as immediate and Mm -hmm. often as extreme as just the suspicion.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Like, men are pretty violent with each other, even if they're all heterosexual. Yeah. Like, there's, it is the testosterone driven. Aspect of our lives I don't know I I have no idea I remember um, A trans friend Yes Talking about um, What the His his first Experience with Starting to take Testosterone And he was like Oh my god Do you all feel this way All the time And I was like Because I don't have Any basis for comparison I guess I do feel That way all the time Uh, Yeah You know And I So I assume There is something Mm -hmm. You know Intrinsic and in our, phys- you know, in our physical gender, in our birth right. gender, whatever. I, I'm not sure what the correct way to say that yeah. is, but you get yeah. the general idea of it. And so maybe there's there's something there, but it is a more violent culture in general. It is even you know just two straight people. Like I, most of the murders in this in the world
1: are of other men, of men, men on it's, men. Yeah. It's some
0: man killing some man. Like yeah, it
1: I, is, and I, I think that. Um, I, I try to have an open mind because when I hear women talk about how, how in danger they feel all the time, and, and it's real, particularly from sexual violence at a level, you know, that men don't necessarily feel. I live as a man in the, in the constant fear of physical violence from other men, whether it be random or whether it be calculated, whether it be about my sexuality or not. I think we need to accept that all men live as well with their own version of a fear of violence.
0: And it is a much more pronounced yeah. one because it is a part of male culture. Right, exactly. To be violent with each other. Even, you know, look at the sporting events that, that men participate in. Many of them are fighting, boxing, yeah. football, right. um wrestling. There's, there, you know, it's all about fighting with each other.
1: But I don't feel equipped for it. Like, I don't feel like I was trained for it or I was— Like, I feel like it might happen all around me and I may have— you know, I've thrown stuff in anger and whatever, but I've never been in a fistfight. I didn't come from the, I, that kind of background. So it's one of those things where if it does break out, I don't feel like I can revert to my old dance steps. You know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah. I'm just going to be this no, like at sea I, homosexual. But you probably feel less defenseless yeah, that's than correct. women. Yeah, Women, right. I
0: think, feel defenseless. Yeah, totally. Whereas you are a six-foot-four, very true. fit
1: man. Oh, like thank you, thank you. Thank you.
0: Could you could give somebody a run for their money, even yeah. as an amateur. I'm not saying you wouldn't still get right. the shit kicked out of you <laughs> because you're not—you don't know how to fight. Right. You don't have the, the skills, but it would be a much harder, like to attack you versus attacking Anne would yeah. be yeah. like two different. Would be like the difference between attacking. Um, not a fight pit bull but a pit bull and uh, or yeah. a, a big dog or a you know stomping on a chihuahua right. it's just i think physically mm-hmm. there are enough differences that yeah. that that yes while we're still very much on and i think that measure of feeling on guard for that violence is a part of the violent culture yes i think other men feel that way too which is why they respond in a violent way yeah totally because they are fearful of other violence it's just a male thing. And I don't know if it's nurture or nature. I think it's probably a healthy combination of both because we do a lot of gender modeling. For right, each other. absolutely.
1: Like, how much of it is socialized? That's a whole topic for a whole conversation. You know, and I'll, I'll end with this, or, or what I have to say. I don't mean to end you, your contribution to this. Like, it also means men can be less likely to call for help when they actually need it. Like, I had an, an experience where um, someone who was very mentally ill on the street shoved n- shoved me and knocked something out of my hand and i called the police you know i had been physically assaulted this is somebody who was probably going to physically assault other people right. um i don't even know if they ever responded i was on my way somewhere i couldn't wait around yeah. and i related that story to a straight friend of mine he's like you called the police where are you pussy oh, blah, blah, blah. and it was like what would you have done? He's like, I would have fought the guy. And I was like, so your best strategy when you're on the way to an appointment is to get into a full scale fist fight with someone who is in a flight from reality. I might for have whatever a knife reason. in their pocket. I might or have whatever. A knife. Yeah. You think that's strategic. Like there's a point at which it becomes ineffective, right? Or just chaotic. It's, it's always ineffective. <laughs> I
0: mean that's a terrible solution right. to any but I think there is some sense of that. I think you're you're very much right. Just running. Yeah. You know, just literally running like like you're scared out of your wits is a perfectly reasonable response right. to feeling under threat or totally. screaming or or carry you know, just in some other way, trying right. to alert people that you need help or yeah. whatever. I think that is something that men don't necessarily see as an option. Yeah. They're presented as in a very different way. So – um, we've gotten kind of way way, off, off, way away way off. from um, uh, Sapphire Springs. Sapphire Springs, yes. Sapphire Springs, right? Finger. It's not I'll bottled tell you at why. the source.
1: <laughs> it's our new brand of bottled water, right, fresh Sapphire from our Springs. sink here at TDPS. Um spring is the season when no ruse happens, which is Persian New Year, which becomes central to the book. That's oh, the way to remember it. And there are flowers on the cover. So spring, right? Flowers. I'm making flower hands. And you is can't that see. the no ruse? I think no ruse is how you say it. I've always it. said no, ruse, so no, ruse, no Again, ruse. it's the, yeah, yeah. The, the that accent being a no Nowruz. No see, that didn't hold up because there's a character in the book, Farina. And her, the accent was on, people would say, wow. Farina. But yeah. the accent was on. It, wow. But right, anyway, anyway, so. Whatever.
0: It's But it's about, like, can you give us hints about making up about how he makes good on not being a bully?
1: There is, a, it comes down to an interval of time. He asked Nasser, and I think this is really more set up, so I feel comfortable revealing it. What was the worst thing you ever did? And it was something that they did that was so disturbing, Nasser hid in a locker room for three hours. And Mason basically says, I'm yours for three hours for whatever you want me to do. And Nasser says, within reason, right? And he said, those are your words, not mine. (laughs) Because this is ultimately a fucking romance novel and it's got to give you- With the accent on fucking. With the accent on fucking. And they don't get right there, but that's the path. That's 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 the first step. That's pretty odd. Yeah. That's pretty odd. But I'll tell you what. What it really comes down to, which again is a whole other episode, is that Mason's life needs to be reorganized, is that if you have lived a certain way, you've got people in your life, sometimes they're called lower companions, that are either perpetuating the bullying that has made you what you are, or amplifying hear. it, and if Nasser is going to take a role in Mason's life, Mason has to look at his whole life, his own whole life. Yeah. And that's where the, the real action of the, the later story bully. happens. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So um, next week, I saw that you and Jordan ampersand are apparently working on something together. I don't know. I, I saw a note or a, an email about something. Did you? Yeah. You don't want you don't want to talk about it. Jordan and I working on something together. Well, I'm not sure that's how I would characterize it. Okay. All right. But it's he's going to be here next week. You I'm guys going are... to
0: say thing that I'm going to say that I think you'll find the most startling is okay. that. Jordan
1: actually came to me for advice. What? And I gave it to him. Okay. I, I'll, I'm just going to – I'm not going to obsess about this. I'm going to put it out of my head until next well, week and find out what Jordan happened. wouldn't be here in the first place if it wasn't for you. I don't you. want to talk about any of this. So this you really yeah, – you know, I mean, like I, know, I know.
0: think that you don't – I understand. You can make whatever decisions you want about it or, the, or you could just
1: get rid of it. Jordan is a very all. complicated uh, young man with a complicated contract uh, with TDPS. So we're just going to leave it at that. Well, I didn't um, sign it. <laughs> All right. But we also have a question for our party people which will be answered next week because it is election season kickoff. Which one of us, meaning you and me, Eric Shaw Quinn and Christopher Rice would make would make the better president and oh, why?
0: Oh, yes.
1: Yeah. Yes, please send your
0: millions here to me. <laughs> At uh, tdps.com. Yes, I'd be happy to accept giant campaign contributions. All the
1: dark money you can
0: stand. Absolutely. I'll take all you got. Um, That would be great. Me for president. huh?
1: (laughs) Or me. I don't know. Everybody drink. Really drink. If
0: I'm president. Wow, that would be... What if one of us was president? That would be so complicated.
1: We're going to talk about that next week. So until then and forever after, I'm Christopher Ryan And I'm Eric shaw And you've been listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. Thanks. This is TDPS.